This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. All right, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you. I'm again with Dave Swanson from Thriving Financial, a good friend, Village Church attendee, um, bald with a... Oh, member. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> repent from that. Uh, bald and great facial hair. Good to see you. Great to be back. How old are you, Dave? <laughs> what? 37. You're 37? Yeah. I'm almost 37. I know. Wow. What's your shoe size? It depends on the brand. <laughs> Echo, it I'm does. A, Echo, true. I'm a European 42. And uh, Adidas, <laughs> I'm about nine and a half. <laughs> All righty. So here's the question for today. Uh, how should parents teach their kids to tithe? Can I give you categories to answer the question? You can. All right. So I've got a four-year-old, six-year-old, and eight-year-old. The question is actually asked by somebody, it appears just from reading their entire paragraph, where they're requiring their kid to give 10% to tithe. And the kid is resisting this. It feels like a lot of money um, to the kid. So talk about uh, teenagers uh, before they have a job, mm -hmm. teenagers when they have a job, and then just kids, like get younger. Like I got a four-year-old. To be honest, my four, six, and eight-year-old collectively probably have six or $700 in savings. Um, they're just save, 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 save. They All find pennies. No, collectively. Like oh. So they save. And they'll find a penny, they'll find a quarter, they'll uh, scratch my back for a dollar, they'll get birthday money from grandma or grandpa or something like that, and they just put it all away, and they're saving up for stuff. That's how they think about life. So, um, And that that goes over four years. That's not mm -hmm. like they don't just get hundreds of dollars a year and whatever, but like they just save up all their money. Mm -hmm. But what do I tell them? Uh, how do I begin to build this value in them? Uh, for a kid, for example, is 10% the floor? or the ceiling because they don't have the normal overhead of life. They don't mm -hmm. pay for rent. They don't pay for food. They don't, you know, yep. that means they have 90% of their money to spend on themselves. So like you and me, we don't get 90% to spend on ourselves. We have to spend <laughs> it on home and food and kids and stuff like that. Like our play money isn't 90%. Right. So um, talk to first parents of young kids and kind of work your way up into stage of stage of life for, for from kids to young adults. Yeah. I would say that the easiest place to begin is the parents of young kids. Because you can establish patterns right off the bat where they don't know any better. And the goal of that is to help them see right off the bat from the, from the very beginning, from their, their first understanding of money is where does money come from? Well, it comes from mom and dad or from grandma and grandpa or from, you know, friends and gifts and things like that. But ultimately, it comes from God. Whether we're talking about little kids or, or teenagers is modeling. Mm. If mom and dad haven't shown them and modeled, you know, you can have parents who tithe or give very generously to the church. If their kids don't know about it, if they don't bring the kids into that discussion at a very early age, it's going to be hard for the kid to understand, yep. well, why are we suddenly doing this? Why am I suddenly, I get money and now I have to give 10% of it away? Well, yep. why? And I really think that comes down to an issue of starting early, just with any biblical principle, you know, you don't wait to teach your kids about sex or anything else when they're 17 years old. Mm. That's a, that's a progressive discussion. Yep. And so I, I think that it, it begins with modeling before they have any counter thought to, wait, why wouldn't I give my money away? Yep. One of the thoughts I've been thinking, uh, I haven't even told my wife this, so I should probably tell her this before this airs, <laughs> is, um, so we use mint.com in our, in our family, mm -hmm. and it, it really does not take a lot of effort for me to go open up a bank account for my kids, tie it to a mint account for each of them and let them see their money. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and and that's actually one of the things I've been thinking about doing with each of them so that they can budget mm -hmm. and then we can start to allocate those funds um, to different places so we can do 10% of everything that goes to college one day and they mm -hmm. can start saving for college now. 10% goes to an emergency fund. 10% goes to, I might actually do like 30% to the church just to like teach them over the top generosity. So I'm really actually trying to think about how do I use even technology um, for them and uh, even the possibility, Dave Ramsey, don't listen to me, but giving them a debit card, not giving it to them, but having it so that mm. when they go buy something, um, it shows up on their on their budgeting software. So from a young age, they already know budgeting. Right. If my daughter's been able to save 200 bucks, that's $200 she's responsible to God to steward. I'm responsible to teach her how to do it. Right. And uh, so anyways, these are some things like thoughts I've been like racking around in my brain. Um, for them and their benefit and trying to teach them how to do it. I know some parents would hear that, like, you give your kid a debit card. No, I wouldn't let them go to the mall with it. Mm -hmm. I would always have it and they could only spend it if they were with me, but that would be the way that they would actually buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they could go see actually the monetary amount on their mint account. So they could actually see, you know, what they're spending and where it's going and how much they gave to the church and stuff like that. Uh, but every time they would, they would get a, a gift, we would put it right in and the first 10% would go to the church and the 30% and savings and retirement, whatever. But, mm -hmm. but that's the level of intentionality, unfortunately, that I believe we just have to teach our, our kids. Now, you don't have to do that route, but figuring out a way to show them their money, to show them how to budget, mm -hmm. to show them how to live in a digital age with digital currency. Because mm -hmm. the majority of kids, when they grow up, they're not going to have cash. Right now, right. kids deal with cash. But they're going to have credit cards. They're going to have debit cards. They're going to have whatever. Um, how do we deal with digital currency now? I think that's one of the impending questions with teaching your kids tithing. Mm -hmm. Tithing digitally. Like, that's sweet. Mm -hmm. That's a very forward-thinking discussion because I don't think a lot of Christians are even thinking about that mm -hmm. because most people are still giving their kid a cash allowance. Yep. And there is coming a day, whether we like it or not, where most transactions are going to be digital. And coming a day. It's sooner than I later. Hate cash. Sooner, Don't give me cash. Sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people's spouses are in are in yeah. very cash businesses. Totally. Yeah, like mine. And mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody what your wife does. My wife is a hairstylist. Yeah. My wife is a florist. So so cash, cash. Yes. Yeah. We and go tips. to the bank often to <laughs> deposit the cash. Yep. Let's talk about teenagers before they're 16. Before they have jobs, how how do we teach them to tithe? What's the value there? Do they tithe on birthday money and stuff like that? What do you think? So this goes back to our tithing discussion back in, I think it was October. If adults are asking the question of, should we tithe? Should we give gifts and offerings? What percentage should we do? If adults are wrestling with that, then we owe it to our kids to not only wrestle with them, but also not to impose on them a standard that we haven't even imposed on ourselves or something that we didn't do until we were well into adulthood. And that's key, making sure that we are not imposing a law on our kids because if they don't understand the spirit behind the law, they, they will eventually rebel against it. So mm -hmm. they, might, they might do it while they're in your house, but they will be looking forward to the day when they can get out and you can't make them tithe anymore. Yep, yep, yep. So what do you do? You got a 16-year-old. He's working. He's making five, 8000 bucks a year, Best Buy, Applebee's, something fun like that, Meyer, I don't know, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I worked at Applebee's, so um, <laughs> paper route, whatever. You know, the kid's got a job, you know? So do you, do you impose tithing onto your kid if he's a Christian? I don't think you impose it, period. Why? Because do you impose it on yourself? Did you impose it on yeah, yourself? I impose it on myself? Are you kidding me? Yeah. If I don't impose it, I don't do it. <laughs> is it an imposition? 
Uh, an imposition is different than imposing something on myself. What about just exercising in the discipline of, <laughs> I just don't like the word yeah. impose. I, I don't, yeah. and I don't even like the idea yeah, of let me, enforcing let me, it. Let me reframe this, okay? Uh, this is a good discussion. I Because this is, I think, some of the conversation that maybe a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife could be having with each other. So I've got a kid. I got a 16-year-old kid. And mm -hmm. let's just say, let's even make this more controversial. For the sake of the argument, he's not a Christian. Yeah. Okay? So here's the deal, though. That kid can only have a job because I pay for his clothes. I, get, I pay mm -hmm. for his home. I pay for his food. I pay for his insurance. I pay for his car. Mm -hmm. Everything he has is mine. Yep. Right? So the kid goes to work and the kid's like, it's my money. And I'm like, really? You want to play that game? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because everything you have, you're able to have because I give yeah. you. Sort of like God. Yeah. The only reason we can do anything is because God gave it to us. Yeah. So in that context, I would have no hesitation looking at that kid and saying, if you want my money mm -hmm. and my stuff to go make your own money, you will play by my rules and hear my rules. If you don't want my money, you don't need my money. You can go. Yeah. You can go get your own place. Go get your own job. Pay for your own insurance. Do all that kind of stuff. But as long as you're building your lifestyle off of my income, mm -hmm. you will play by my rules. Okay. Why is that wrong? I don't think God does that. Really? Yeah. What are the giving statistics in our church? Percentage. Percentage of what? Like we, I think you said average was 3%. In the evangelical church, you yeah. got about... Depending on where you're at in the United States, two and a half to four percent. Typically, it's two and a half to three percent would be mm -hmm. the average percentage of income that an evangelical gives. Yeah, and we're agreeing that all of it comes from God, right? Mm -hmm. So we're that's seeing... what they do do. That's not what they should do, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't play by the rules of like in my home. This is what other people do. I yeah. play by the rules of here's what should happen, and what should happen is what will happen. If you want my resources, you do what should happen. Yeah. And that will happen. Okay. Is that fair? It's fair, but I, I personally wouldn't approach it that way yeah. because, because you know what I would even do? Because there have been years that I haven't tithed at all. And God continued to provide for me, continued to provide. We're income. talking different discussions. What you did as an adult and God's grace to you mm -hmm. is completely separate from what I am responsible to teach in my children. So if my kid was not a Christian, here's what I actually would do. I would say to him, you don't need to give to the church, but you need to find a nonprofit that does measurable good and give it to them. Okay. I would make sure that generosity was built into the fabric of their habits from a very young age mm. so that by the time they're actually making money, I, I, I do think it would probably do harm to the kid to force him to give to the church mm -hmm. if he rejected Jesus. I don't think it would do harm to the kid to teach him a spirit of generosity. Now, it's it, we're not doing it, and nor should we ever do this because it makes God like us better. Mm -hmm. We right. do it because... We are wired as human beings to thrive in generosity. Mm. So as a Christian, if you stop tithing for, say, six years, and you should have, but you didn't, let's say you had a bad season and you were mm. being selfish or whatever it was, God's grace abounds, right? Mm. Talking today with a guy, and he asked me the question, am I in debt to my church because I made a promise to give them money and I didn't follow through on it? You know, mm. like we don't think in terms of tithe debt. Yeah. I said, it's the year of Jubilee. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? And, uh, but big picture, like, what if you have a kid who doesn't want to do it? Do I have leverage as a parent to make them do it? Should I make them do it? I'm advocating yes, but yeah. feel free to disagree. See, I'm I'm utterly disagreeing with you. Because, Great, I love it. Because our I, audience, this will do good for them to hear a disagreement. <laughs> our producer's giving us a hearty amen. Because, it, you know, did you, you just slap me? I did. I'm sorry. It's, I can't help it. <laughs> uh, so he didn't slap me. You, by the way, you said you want to instill in your child a, a spirit of generosity. Yeah. The nature of of requiring them to do it is not instilling a spirit of generosity. It's it's making them do something that is received maybe as generosity 
by somebody else who gets it, but his heart is not in the right place. And then on top of that, if we go to Romans 2 and it talks about it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's it's seeing the fact that God continues to put up with this particular sin or this particular attitude and continues to show mercy and grace and kindness to us. That is what ultimately changes our heart. What are you doing in your home to continually show the child that all of this is a gift, that you get this regardless yeah, of your attitude? Totally disagree. Okay. 100%. All right. I'll tell you why. So if you take that same philosophy, okay, mm -hmm. your kid comes home and he's lying mm -hmm. and you're like, well, you know, truthfulness is from the heart. So I can't tell you to tell the truth. I can't make you tell the truth or discipline you when you don't tell the truth. I'm just going to model truthfulness for you because I need it to be from your heart. That's not how child rearing goes. Child rearing is about, is about disciplining the infractions that mm -hmm. deviate from God's law. And it's about we'll say at the beginning too, it is about compelling them through consequence mm -hmm. to do the right things so that over time, those become habits and patterns. Because here's what discipline assumes. Discipline assumes, like, I'm not talking about personal discipline. I'm talking about parental discipline yeah. where you actually like discipline the wrong and yeah. then actually correct with forced obedience, you know? What it does is, is that we are wired to feel good and be happy when we do good things that are in line with God's law. Mm -hmm. So that when we tell kids to do these things, uh, there should be something inside of them that comes alive. We're actually teaching them yeah. right and wrong and morals and whatnot. So that when they actually read the word of God and they see, I know what's right. I know it feels good, but I'm inclined to do wrong. Mm -hmm. They have a category for right. Mm -hmm. The problem is their heart is continually not, their heart is continually rebellious. Right. But like, I don't think I could take your philosophy and apply it to any other area of discipline. Well, I would draw a, a very broad distinction between a lying child or a child who's being physically abusive to a sibling and a child whose heart has not yet taken on generosity, whose heart has not yet oh, seen the gra gratitude me, and thankfulness. Me, you get a three-year-old and he will not share. That's, mm -hmm. that's stinginess. Yeah. Uh, he will not let other kids play with his toys. He sees somebody in need. He won't leave his game to go help them. Mm -hmm. Stinginess and greediness, before you even have the money conversations, we're mm -hmm. having conversations about caring for people, yeah. stopping, giving up what you're doing right now to go take care of them. Uh -huh. I mean, that all starts like at the at the root. And one of the applications of stinginess mm -hmm. is money. That's just a singular application. I mean, this goes all over the board in terms of how a, a generous heart would play itself out. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, there's no difference in requiring them to give generously with their money than there is for them to share at three years old. Mm. Like, it's the same root issue. Now, when they get out of my house, I can't control whether or not they're going to share or be generous. Yeah. But what I can do is say, while you're in my house, these are the rules. There will be a heart of generosity that every person in this home exhibits. And if you don't exhibit it, there will be discipline. Yeah. And, and you can enforce that in your house. But all I'm saying is that I think that will— create a discipline of generosity, a discipline of giving. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that enforcing it will ever change the heart. That's not my goal. Yeah. I can't change the You heart. just want them to do it. I can't change hearts. What I can do is create a context where God's values are seen and lived out in the home mm -hmm. and their heart is also apparent there. My hope is that when they leave my house, my hope is that God has changed their heart. But apparently, one of the most influential ways to shape a child's heart is by enforcing discipline and mm. enforcing God's values at a young age. As kids get older, obviously, they like to rebel against that. Mm. But again, 
all that rebellion does is show them their problem with God. Mm-hmm. Their problem with my rules are actually not about my rules, right. about God's rules. I agree. And that's just making the case for their need for divine intervention. And I don't, I, look, if you choose to go about it that way, I, I don't have a problem with mm-hmm. that. I just think that the way that you're going to get that heart isn't from requiring them to do it. I think that there are so many other things that are requisite within the home, within your own behavior, with you know ongoing teaching that are that are really going to get them to understand why we're generous. An example might be, not only do we give to the church, but what is the mission of the church and allowing them to participate in things like the you know the Easter egg extravaganza, <laughs> allowing them to 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 meet missionaries and yep. say, oh, our church supports this missionary family. Let them know these people and find out who they are. And like this money goes to real things and meets real needs and is advancing the kingdom of God. The goal being to teach them through experience so that they desire to do it and not just do it out of, out of rote obedience. That's, that's the distinction that I would draw. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you my last thought and then you get the final word, right? Thanks O'Reilly. Yeah. <laughs> you just call me Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> It's been fun. I, I I like disagreeing with you. You're yeah. you're a nice disagreeer. Some people are like <laughs> you're a terrible human. And anyway, I appreciate you. Um, my last thought would be this: I am not able to change my kid's heart. Mm-hmm. I am able to create the foundations of a life under my home, where in my home there are values required to be lived out in behavior um, that are in line with God's values. What I cannot do and I cannot control is whether or not my kids love those values. Whether my kid wants to clean his room or not, my kid will clean his room. Whether my kid wants to be generous, they will be generous. That Mm -hmm. is just like in my home, that's what's going to be, right? Yep. The goal of my uh, instruction would be to teach them the joy of living um, with God's values, the joy of generosity. Even non-Christians love generosity. Mm -hmm. When they're able to do it, it's a great feeling, right? Yep. Uh, be to teach them discipline and habits that stick with them for a lifetime, If, but I can't control whether or not they obey those, mm-hmm. um, and to show them um, a spirit of God's grace mm-hmm. um, over all things. You know, so if they make a huge mistake or whatever, small mistake, grace, grace abounds. You know, sometimes yep. we have to discipline it, but it's even in a spirit of love and grace and, and whatnot. But that's how I would approach it. I would look at every virtue in my home and say, hey, I can't control whether or not it comes from the heart, but I can't control whether you do it in my home or not. Mm-hmm. And I would I would play that out. And this is where I think a lot of parents, I believe, make some big mistakes is when the kids become adolescents or when they turn 16, there are these artificial milestones in their brain. Artificial milestone number one would be a driver's license. Artificial mm-hmm. milestone number two would be 18, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Artificial milestone number three would be college as if now they go to college and they're still spending your money and living mm-hmm. off your dime, but they're not accountable to you for how they live. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these. Um, and so in my world, um, just – all I can speak for is Michael Feeler. My wife might listen to me and think you're a jerk. <laughs> it's possible. Um, but in my world, uh, I am not going to give my kid because of an artificial cultural milestone autonomy over my money and how they use mm-hmm. it as long as they're using it. Yeah. Right or wrong. I don't know. I'm happy to have that challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you where I'm at now. Yeah. And I, so the final word. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, in general, I totally agree with that. When you parent, the goal is exactly what you said, is to get them to the spirit of the law of God and to love obedience. There are ingrained personality issues that you're going to have kids that are more generous than others. You're going to have kids that are more stingy than others. And 
there are things that no matter how many rules you impose in your house, it's never going to change because God is going to sanctify them over the course of their entire life. And God is ultimately going to be the one that deals with that issue of generosity in their heart or that issue with anger in their heart or that issue with being deceptive. Mm. And so I just think it's important to recognize that all of the rules in the household need to be a framework, Mm. but ultimately pointing to the grace of God, even the grace that's within the law. Done. Leave it there. What does Bill Riley call it? Um, Bill O'Reilly. Pinheads. Yeah, Patriots or Pinheads. I don't know who the Patriot is or who the Pinhead is. but (laughs) Anyways, why are we quoting Bill O'Reilly? Anyways, I've seen him like a total seven times in my entire life. Because you give me the last word. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was (laughs) it. All right, Dave, come back with us tomorrow. Seriously, I appreciate you letting me just go at you a little bit. And uh, you're very gracious, and I appreciate you a lot. So (laughs) Tell my wife that when I'm in a bad mood. That I will do. Uh, (laughs) Tomorrow, we're going to answer the following question. I'm going to read it, and uh, then tomorrow we'll just explain it. If a couple gets divorced by the state for financial planning, Medicare, healthcare costs after Mm -hmm. retirement, but are still committed to each other emotionally and lovingly as if they were still married, is it still a sin against God? We're just going to explain all that tomorrow. That's real loaded. That is a loaded question, (laughs) and we're going to go at it. We'll see you tomorrow.